Good morning. I hope that you have come with an open heart, ready for these ancient words of Holy Scripture to impart a word to you, a word of truth, of hope, of love. It's a blessing to be able to gather in this way and worship our God and Father in heaven. Um, We're thankful if we have any visitors in the house. I know that we do. We always do. And we're glad for your presence. Why don't you greet the person to your left and right with just a, a brief hello and welcome. We're thankful, we're thankful for everyone's presence here today. Let me ask you a question as we get started. Are you happy? Are you happy this morning? Some of you are smiling and I would assume that means you're happy. Some of you need to turn that frown upside down. Uh, but maybe by that, you're telling me, you know, I'm not happy today. Uh, I've got something that's on my mind and my heart, something that I'm worried or concerned about, and I, and I don't feel happy. This may be the number one pursuit of people in our culture today. I think everybody is looking, seeking after happiness. What makes people happy? What is it that puts a smile on your face? What is it that uh, places joy within your heart? There was a song recorded in 1963. Here are some of the lyrics. If you want to be happy for the rest of your life, never make a pretty woman your wife. So in my personal point of view, get an ugly girl to marry you. And hopefully we don't have any husbands thinking, no, that didn't work. Still not happy. Uh, I am certainly, I, I do not ascribe to that advice and I cannot relate because I married a very beautiful woman. And the whole church said, aw, yes, thank you. I don't know about that advice. I think in our culture, I think in our culture, people think it's money that makes you happy. It's stuff. It is bigger homes and nicer cars, greater resources. I think that's what we think. But when are we going to get a clue? I mean, those of you uh, who have gone on mission trips to third world countries and seen the smiles on the faces of people who live in two-room shacks with dirt floors, you knew in that moment it is not money that makes somebody happy. And then if you look across our country, the wealthiest country that has ever existed on the face of this globe, and you see the widespread misery and the anxiety and the drug addiction that has swept across our land, you know it is not stuff, it is not money that makes us happy. So what is it? Well, lucky for us, our text tells us today. Psalm number 1. Psalm 1. I want you to grab your Bible and go there with me. This is where we will be for the remainder of our time. Our text says in Psalm 1 verse 1, blessed... Or you can insert there the word happy, or if you'd like, well satisfied, is the person who, and check this out, blessed is the person or the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Let me stop right there. The text has already told us what will not make you blessed, what will not make you happy. And it is becoming wicked by keeping company with wicked people. Did you notice the progression in this verse? 
First, the man is walking along in the counsel of the wicked. And then he's standing still. And then he begins to sit with the scoffers. He has settled in to a habit of wickedness and evil. He's settled into this crowd of people. And this text teaches us a lesson that we already know by experience. And that is, the company that you keep determines the character that you develop. And it's not just the friends, and I want our younger crowd to listen to me very closely, and and not just our younger crowd, all of us need to hear this. It's not just the friends that we hang out with that determine the character we develop. It's also the people that we befriend on social media. It's the accounts that we follow on Twitter and Instagram. Those people and those accounts begin to shape our worldview and our values. And if we are not careful, we're no longer walking with wicked people standing with them. We have sat down in their midst. We have settled in. That's not going to make us happy. That's not going to cause us to be blessed. Spending time with wicked people and becoming wicked in the process, that's not what does it. Listen to verse 2. Here is what will make you happy and blessed. What is it? The one who is blessed delights in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. So what is it? It is delighting in God's will. And it is reflecting on how God's will ought to be applied to our lives and to every decision and every move that we make every single day of our lives thinking about what God would have us to do and this is not just the job of professional scholars of bookworms of people who just like to sit around and read and meditate this is for ordinary believers like us and we can train ourselves to be like that where no matter what we are doing we are doing it within the scope of God's will and we are trying to orient ourselves around his good and kind instructions for our life. That's what will make us happy. That's what will make us blessed. Loving and delighting in God's will and reflecting upon His instructions. What we learn here in this psalm is that the righteous person, the righteous person, the one who is trying to align his or her life with God's will, that's the blessed person. That's the happy person. And that is not a message that you will hear in culture. When you walk out of those doors today and when you open up whatever app on your phone or when you turn on the TV or when you talk to somebody in our community, that is not the message that you will get. That being righteous, that growing in righteousness, that trying to align yourself with God's instructions, that that's what makes you happy. That that's what causes you to be blessed. But let me tell you, that is the truth. That is the truth of God's Word. Believe it. Bank on it. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. That's what the psalmist teaches here. And the psalmist gives us a wonderful image. The psalmist says that such a person is like a tree. Such a person is like a tree. A righteous person, a blessed, happy person is like a tree. Now trees feature prominently in God's Word, in the Bible. And you may could think of some famous trees in the Bible. I want to share this with you briefly. Did you know the Bible begins with a tree and ends with a tree? The Bible begins with the tree of life in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 2, and it ends with the tree of life 
in the heavenly city of Revelation chapter 22. A tree on both ends of the Scriptures and standing in the center in the Psalms in this wonderful collection of 150 songs of praise and thanksgiving and lament and reflection on on an orderly life stands this grand image of a tree. The strong, stable, steadily growing tree. The righteous person. The blessed person is like that. Like a tree. And we can learn much about growing in righteousness, growing in blessedness, from how the psalmist describes this tree. Look at what he says here in Psalm 1, verse 3. This tree is planted by streams of water. You know, the Bible was written by people who lived in a very dry, arid culture. But this tree is able to survive, and not just survive, but thrive from a constant supply of water, from being planted by an ever-flowing stream. And likewise, we, as believers, as those who want to be blessed, as those who are aiming to be righteous, yea, as those who have been made righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ, we require constant spiritual nourishment. And there's a warning here as we read this statement about the tree that's planted by streams of water. There's a tree in our backyard. It's not a big tree. But I love this tree. It's a dogwood tree at the corner of our patio. And it's big enough to where the girls can climb up in it and swing from its branches. And it provides some nice shade for us in the spring and summertime. And I've got you know a little strand of string lights from the branches to, uh, to the gutter there, over the patio. It's a great tree. And we've enjoyed it in the 10 plus years that we've lived uh, in our home in Winchester. But this tree has a problem. Because for, for the past several years, it is slowly hollowing out. The trunk is. And yet, year after year, the leaves become green once again. And it looks healthy if you look up here. But if you look at the trunk, you know that its days are numbered. That its time is limited. Even though it puts on a pretty good show year in and year out, it is not going to last forever. Likewise, if you sever yourself from the spiritual nourishment that you need, from the study and reading and reflection on God's Word, from prayer, from the fellowship with the saints, from the service, serving others in the name of the Lord, if you cut yourself off from that, you might be able to put on a good show for a while. You might look spiritually healthy to those that you spend some time with. It might appear that your leaves are still green and you're good to go. But make no mistake, you will sooner rather than later begin to wither and die. This tree survives, this tree thrives by being planted by a constant stream of water. And if we cut out, off ourselves from that spiritual supply. We may subsist for a while, but our days are numbered as well. So take a lesson from this tree and how it is constantly being nourished by this stream of water. We need that as well. What else does the psalmist say here about the tree? It yields its fruit in its season. Every season, without fail, it is productive, reliably productive. It produces 
fruit on its branches. And I want you to think about the fruit of any type of, of, of fruit tree that you can imagine. That fruit is produced not for the benefit of the tree, but for the benefit of others. Fruit grows on trees so that others can come and pick it and benefit from that. And that's true of us. A measurement of maturity in the faith is am I, as I go through my life with Christ, am I becoming more fruitful? Is my life a more significant blessing and benefit for others this year than it was last year? Am I growing in in that way? Am I becoming a greater benefit to those around me? I think about what Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, where he says, you need to take on the mind of Jesus Christ. Well, what is that, Paul? What, this, it involves this, among other things. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves, just like your Lord, who did not consider his own well-being and his own health, but was willing to suffer and die on the cross for your sins. That mind ought to be increasingly in you. You ought to be increasingly concerned not about your own interest, but the interest of others, the benefit of others. A tree produces fruit for others, and so should you. Our eventual goal is to become like another tree in the Bible. I'm thinking about that sycamore tree that the shorter man Zacchaeus climbed up in order to get a glimpse of Jesus. I know a youth minister who has made that his, that is his life philosophy, his life goal. He says, I want to be a sycamore tree that helps young, lifts up young people so that they can see Jesus. And that is a, that is a worthy goal for us as well. We want to be sycamore trees, lifting people up of any age so that they can get a clearer glimpse of Jesus. And you know, when Jesus saw him up there, he said, Come down, I am coming to your house today. And Zacchaeus' life was never the same. We ought to aim to be that sycamore tree that benefits and blesses other people. What else does it say? The psalm. It says, its leaf, talking about the tree, its leaf does not wither. It is able to weather storms and cold snaps and heat, heat waves. It can endure difficulty and its leaves stay green and full. How? We'll go back to what we were saying earlier about that stream of water by which it's planted. It is constantly nourished. And the same will be true for us if we stay constantly nourished by God's Word and by prayer and by fellowship with the saints and service to others. If we stay planted by that stream of water, if we plunge our roots deep into the living water of Jesus Christ, then our leaf, will never wither as well. Yes, we'll face some difficulties. We are not promised a smooth ride. The Apostle Paul faced many trials and tribulations serving God. But he says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. He says, we are afflicted in every way, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not driven to despair. We're persecuted, yes, but we are not forsaken by our Lord. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed because we have been planted 
by that stream of living water. We can persist, we can endure, we can fight through whatever difficulty that life throws our way. Our leaf will not wither. I think that you will agree with me when I say we need more trees in the world. Don't we? We need more people to be like that tree, to be like that blessed, that righteous person that the psalmist compares to this stable, steady, strong, steadily growing tree. We need to be those trees. And I want to say to you, this congregation, this church family, that's what we're about here. We exist to grow trees. We want these babies that we prayed for this morning and the ones that we, the many others that we will pray for this time. Next year, after uh, all of the children are born that we've been praying about, we want these young people to grow up and to be planted and to grow into strong, faithful trees for God. Now, we want to be patient with people. We know that everybody starts out as a sapling. When you're baptized into Jesus Christ, you start small. And there's a lot of growth that has to take place. And there's a lot that is not yet known about how to follow Jesus and what God's word means. We want to be patient with people. We want to help people as they grow. And we know, you can think of many trees and and bushes, that it takes several seasons before they start producing fruit. And that's true of new believers as well. It takes a while to orient yourself to this new life and to begin to live in a way that is not self-seeking, but seeks to serve and benefit others. We want to be patient with people, but we also want to be persistent. We want to be determined to help people grow. We want to challenge people and provide opportunities for spiritual nourishment, just as we are doing this year with the Bible reading. We want to help you plunge your roots deeper so that your, grant, your branches can grow even taller and wider. We want to help you grow in the Lord. There's one more statement here I want to point out to you. In all that he does, the psalmist says, speaking of the blessed, righteous person, he prospers. He prospers. And in our culture, we have a particular definition of what it means to prosper. It means to do well financially. It means to have success in the business world. That's not what this means. This is not about personal success. This is a whole different kind of happiness. It's not temporary, circumstantial. It is abiding. And it's certainly not focused on the self. It's focused on others. Now, this is not the only image that appears in Psalm 1. The psalmist provides a stark contrast To the tree, look at verse 4. He says, the wicked are not like the tree. They are not so. They are like chaff that the wind drives away. Chaff, the husks and the straw removed when a farmer threshes grain. So lightweight that when it's thrown in the air by that farmer, it just sort of blows away with the wind. The psalmist says the wicked could not be more different than the righteous. There is no stability with them. They benefit no one, and they will not last. The psalmist reminds us that there are really, at the end of the day, there are two types of people with two very different fates, very different futures. Verses 5 and 6 to close out. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment 
nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. I don't want to be that chaff. I want to be that tree that grows up forever in God's presence that is known by God forever. This morning, do you want to be planted? It's, you know what? It's never too late to be planted and to get growing. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, but you have not taken that step of obedience, of confessing His name, of repenting of your sins, of being baptized so that those can be forgiven, when you come up out of that water, it is as if God is planting you by an ever-flowing stream so that you can grow up into the person that He intends for you to be. It's time to get planted and to get growing. Or if you're struggling spiritually in any way, this is also a time for you to come. Why don't you do that as we stand and sing?